Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Uh, well, we're in the um, fifth part of our Christmas Lights series. And um, we've just been looking at these truths, these truths that help us uh, to understand and to celebrate Christmas in its fullness, in its rightness. There's so many wonderful traditions and so many little extra things that, that take place at Christmas. And as long as we keep certain Christmas lights on, a lot of these other things can just seamlessly fit in. But if we don't have these certain Christmas lights turned on, then all of a sudden there can be part of it that gets, it gets dimmed and we don't really take it in. And, and we've looked at some really important ones. We've looked at peace, we, we, we've looked at worship. Um, today we're gonna look at the light of Christ because Jesus being the Christ is significant. It's that, that, is, that is what changed everything. So if we'll go ahead and look at Luke chapter two, verse 11, says that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. Now the angels could have stopped and it'd have been pretty cool news that if he would have said today in the city of David, a savior has been born. And that would have been pretty epic, but it didn't stop there. And there's a reason the angel didn't stop there, but it's because he was declaring this to to Hebrew people, he's declaring this to Jews. And the truth is, is throughout the, the history of the Jewish nation, there had been saviors. There had been people who had come along and made a significant di- difference in the nation of Israel. In fact, the fact that they're a nation, it was happened because somebody stepped up and, and was a savior, even though his brothers sold him into slavery and he ended up in a foreign land and through his diligence and just being a man of honor and integrity, he worked his way up. And finally, because he was led by the spirit of God, he ended up in the highest office of the land other than the Pharaoh himself. And during a time of severe famine was able to save not only his family, but to be able to save an entire nation. There'd been those kinds of saviors. There'd been a savior that was a political official. And then 430 years later, after the people of Israel had lived as an oppressed people in the land of Egypt and grew to the number of millions over those centuries, then there was a place of oppression and slavery. And there was a space where then they needed a savior again and that savior that savior was a deliverer named Moses who came and was a leader and led them out of Egypt then that same leader was a different kind of savior and being a lawgiver as they were going through and developing how to worship and connect with God there in the desert. And then when it was time to step into the promised land, then they needed a new kind of savior because they were going to go to battle and they were going to go to war and there was a warrior savior. And then as they took to the land, then eventually there were these different, these different judges that were saviors. And then as they needed to connect with God, there were prophets who were saviors and then eventually there were kings over the land of Israel and Judea. 
and there were, there were different kinds of saviors. Jesus was going to be a savior that had never existed before, but one that their hearts had hoped for, their hearts had longed for. That's why when we read Luke chapter two, verse 11, it says that in the town of David, a savior has been born and he is Christ. He is Christ the Lord. See, Christ, Messiah, was one they had longed for, one who's finally going to end all of the things that, they're, that they had been frustrated about and oppressed by forever. In fact, Jesus came to deal with all the things that have ever frustrated any group of people, from prehistoric people all the way into history, all the way into modern, and will continue until Jesus comes, frustrate future people. Because if we really want to understand it in a modern lens, in a modern lens, we don't, we take the religious words out of it and what our hearts have cried out for is our hearts have cried out for that God would give us a hero. God would give us a hero. There's oppression, there's frustration, there's bondage, there are things that need to be handled. And our hearts from our Western mindset have cried out this whole time for a hero, not a religious person, but a hero, someone who would come in, do the things we could not do for ourselves and change the scope of the future. That's what every hero in every hero story does. Comes in and does for someone they can't do for themselves and change the future outcome. And you and I, our hearts have been longing for, we didn't cry out for a new religion. We didn't cry out for a new religious figure. We cried out for a hero. We cried out for someone who would actually come in and handle things. And we see that Jesus declares these things that have frustrated us for generations, Jesus handles them. Let's look at Luke chapter four, verse 17. It says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This thing of poverty and lack that all of us hate and despise is a, is a universal place of compassion when we see someone genuinely suffering in a place of lack. Our hearts say something's wrong with that. That needs to be handled. And Jesus said, I've come to bring good news to that space. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But here's the first thing they said. Isn't this Joseph's son? Immediately they began to discount who he was. They began to find reasons as to why he wasn't who he just said he was. John, the apostle who's most connected with love, writes in his epistle, 1 John 3, 8, says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 
That's the reason he showed up. Why? Because there's a real enemy that has a real assignment against us and that is actively at work. And Jesus showed up to destroy the works of the enemy. Well, what are those works? Well, living in a place of lack, living in a place of bondage, of captivity, where there's actual change or chains on you, or there's mental chains, or there's chemical chains, any of the thing that keep you locked up and not able to be genuinely free. Jesus came to set those things free. Physical infirmity, physical sickness, he came to make a difference in that. But something that afflicts all of us, something that afflicts all of us, Jesus came, also came to destroy. And that was the last thing he mentions in reading from the prophet Isaiah. That he came to declare the year of the Lord's favor. That he came to declare God's favor. And that is a constant work of the enemy. The enemy's constantly going to tell you that God doesn't like you, that God doesn't care about you, that God is mad at you. It is this constant thing. Why? Because if he can get you to wonder God's opinion of you, then he knows he can get you to back away from leaning into God. The things that afflicts all of us is whether or not God's really for us. There's some of you in this room who came because you kind of felt like you needed to come to honor somebody you care about. And you're in this space and you're like, you know, I get it. God may like some of these people. Some of these people who try real hard and have their life maybe buttoned up on a religious level, but I don't know how God, what he thinks about me. I feel like things have kind of gone sideways. I feel like there's been so much tragedy and pain. And here's the truth. I want to, this will help you so much. If you understand that every time you get frustrated when there's pain and loss and all those different things, it is a reminder that you weren't built for this space. You were built for the presence of God. You're built for heaven. And every time you get frustrated when there's a work of the enemy, one of these things, these places of lack, these places of oppression, these places of, of loss, when every one of those things happens in your life or the life of someone you love and you're just frustrated and you're like, this is wrong. The Holy Spirit within you says, yes, it's wrong because you were built for another place. You were built to be in the presence of God where this stuff is handled and dealt with. That's what you were built for. But this place is in heaven. This place. And it's honestly foolish of us to expect that we would never see pain or suffering in a place that's not heaven. It's foolish. So the wisdom comes in when we recognize whose hand is at work. That God ha- God's hand will still work in this space. He'll still move. He'll still do heaven things in this space. But there's an enemy that's at work. And we have to understand which is which. Because if we think God will hand us something good or God will hand us something bad, well, then we're kind of like, I don't know if I want to lean into God or not. I don't know that I want this. It makes us pull back when we're uncertain. Jesus came to make us certain. I talked to four different kiddos this morning and I need my kid assistance this morning. This is where I need you to come on stage. You already know who you are. Come on. And then I need my lovely assistant 
to come up here. And I need you. And y'all can just jump up on these stools. Thank you, lovely assistant. And jump up on these stools. Look how it goes, naturally dividing. Girls on one table. Boys at the other table. Because boys have cooties. They really do. And you're a boy. I am. My wife will tell you I got cooties. All right. So what we're about to do... I need you to keep that handy. Yeah, keep that handy. Because all I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm just going to ask you to eat some jelly beans. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. But somebody at Jelly Belly lost their mind. Because some of these jelly beans are awesome. And some of these jelly beans are not awesome. And so this extra cup that's sitting to the side is a spit cup that just (laughs) in case you need um, some relief. So you're going to just go ahead and reach into the very first cup. Just reach into the first cup on the stack. Don't eat it yet. I got to tell you about it. Okay. This one is either going to be my personal favorite, which I did not know was controversial until recently, but it is controversial jelly bean. I love buttered popcorn jelly bean. And so, see, some of you were all about it, and some of you were like, no, shaking your head. Yeah, like, this guy's got the most disgusted look on his face. Like, like that's got to be one of the punk jelly beans. No, my friend, they're amazing. When I get one of the assorted ones, I get the buttered popcorn first. I eat those suckers up. They're amazing. So it will either be my personal favorite, it'll either be buttered popcorn, or it's going to be rotten egg. Uh, Or it's going to be rotten egg. And so, and it's at this moment that I just simply need you to eat it. Just eat it. All right. Oh, Oh. now Kenny... I know you well enough to know. Just because you didn't spit it out, I don't know what you got. (laughs) Butter popcorn. There we go. But our first three, by the way, this is Preslin, Joey, Juan, and Kenny. So, um, and so, uh, yeah, apparently the first three, it didn't go so well. So now I need you to just take your, take those cups, put them to the back, and that'll reveal the next cup. And this one will either be toasted marshmallow or it will be stink bug. And I don't know what unlucky person at Jelly Belly headquarters had to refine the formula for stink bug, but that is, that's a, that's a rough job. They better got a big bonus. So here you go. I want you to eat it. It's going to be toasted marshmallow or it's going to be stink bug. All right. Ready? Oh, Juan got a stink bug. Oh, stink bug. Did you get stink bug? Or did you get toasted marshmallow? Stink bug. Stink bug. What'd you get? Toasted marshmallow. Kenny for the win. You just spit it out. You got to savor it. Swirl it around in your mouth a little bit. Get the full palate. Come on. All right. So now we move on to the next one. Oh. Move on to the next one. All right. 
This one is either going to be strawberry banana smoothie. Oh, I love those. Or it's going to be dead fish. Oh. Maybe, maybe you like, maybe you like gas station sushi. I don't know, but, but let, let's, let's try it. Strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish. You have it? <laughs> Joey is refusing to put it in her mouth. <gasps> All right, so what do we got? Smoothie, smoothie. Dead fish. Did you eat it? You ate it? All right, Juan, you're the man. All right, what'd you get, Kenny? Smoothie. Smoothie. Man, it's, it's a good day to be Kenny. He's, he's getting all the good ones. This, this one's green. All right. I got two. You got two? All right, well, you, get to, you get to eat just one of them. All right, so here's our last one. Our last one is either... Two. All right, well, you just eat one of them. Just eat one of them. So you're either going to get tutti fruity or you're going to get stinky socks. And hopefully it's not a Clark boy stinky sack. They're bad. All right. All right. Whenever you're ready. Tutti Fruity, Tutti Fruity. Everybody got Tutti Fruity. All right. Went for the win. That one's real good. You like that one? If you noticed that especially on this end of the table, that as things were not consistent, as began to have some bad experiences, you just saw the reluctancy. You saw that all of a sudden they just began to just wait and say, I don't know that, I don't know that I actually want to step into this. And there are so many people that if they're not convinced, they don't have proper understanding of the nature of God and wrongly assume that some of the pain and the suffering that they've received has been God's hand at work. Well, then of course they're going to be reluctant. Of course they're going to be slow. Of course they're going to be a moment like Joey and go, you know what? I, I don't know that I'm actually even going to do this. I don't even know if I'm going to participate. And there's some of us in that room that we've had the wrong lens of looking at God and not seeing that he's actually for us and that he actually has favor. And we've wrongly attributed some pain in our lives to God and, you, and hit a moment and go, you know what? I think God can do something good in my life and I might dare to lean in, but I've got to push through all of that reservation, all of that frustration, all of that pain. And Jesus came to end the, deba end the debate. He came to make it where we understood the nature of God's heart toward us, that his heart is a heart of favor, that he is for you, that he is not going to give you some good sometime and some bad the other time, that he is, is a God who loves you and is for you. And that was why Jesus came. And so here we go. I got a little parting gift for all my contestants. And this is a bag of all good, all the time jelly beans. You can confidently get into those jelly beans and eat them and they're all going to be good. Y'all give my helpers a hand. Y'all go sit down now. Whew. I'm gonna move those. <laughs> See, Jesus being the Christ, it was the most contested claim that he made. 
fact, people were fine with him being considered a prophet. There's something spiritual and special about him. But him being the Christ, him being the son of God, him being the savior, that was what was the most contested. Do you notice we're here and we're not here to celebrate Jesus mess. We're here to celebrate Christmas. Why? Because Jesus being the Christ is what sets us apart. There are other religions who embrace Jesus as a person, but only Christians embrace Jesus as Christ. Islam embraces Jesus as a prophet. There are other religions that embrace Jesus on some sort of a teacher level, but only Christianity embraces Jesus as as the Christ, as the one who can come in and absolutely transform not just our eternity, but life here and now. That is what makes things different. And that's why him being the Christ has been contested for years. As we look at Matthew 26, verse 63, it says, but Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you're the Christ, the son of God. Yes, it's as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest wanted to know one thing. Do you claim to be Messiah? Do you claim to be Christ? They could put up with any other claim, but they couldn't put up with that one. And Jesus said, yes, it's just like it's come out of your mouth. I am that one. And whether you believe it or not, even though he knew their plans were to crucify him, the plans were to execute him, he let them know, you you haven't seen the last of me. You will one day see me coming in the clouds. He understood exactly who he was, but they protested him being the Christ. In Luke 22, he's asked, if you're the Christ, they said, tell us. And Jesus answered, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. He understood that they had made up their minds in advance who he was. The question of the ages is who is Jesus? Is he the Christ? Is he the Savior? Is he the Messiah? See, even those closest to Jesus need to be reminded that Jesus was the Christ. Notice it says the Christ. We covered it last week, but this idea of of Christ, it it can be confusing. It can feel like it's another form of Jesus's name. In fact, years ago when our youngest son Carson was six, we were talking about the Christmas story and we we're talking about some things and Carson piped up and he said, dad, I, I know, um, I know Joseph and Mary's last name. I was like, you do? What, what was your last name? He said, well, it's Christ. Jesus was Jesus Christ. So it was Joseph Christ and Mary Christ. <laughs> I was like, son, I get your logic there, but that, that's not exactly it. As Jesus was the Christ. Just like we would reference someone as King whoever, we say Christ Jesus, Messiah Jesus, Savior Jesus, Anointed One Jesus. Matthew 11 verse 2 says, when John heard, uh, heard in prison what Christ was doing, 
he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. He says, look for yourself. Am I doing Christ things? Am I doing anointed things? Am I doing the things that that would be? Well, then, then yes, that's who I am. He didn't, ha- he didn't reiterate who he was. He didn't list out his pedigree. He pointed to what he had done. He pointed to his actions. Why? Because Jesus was the liberator. Jesus set people free. Even when Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, he had to deal with their areas of doubt. Luke chapter 24, verse 38 says, and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? He had to encourage them to stand on the truth of who they had believed him to be. And then a few verses later in verse 44 says, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. See, Christmas is so important for us because it reminds us that our Christ was born. It reminds us of of the gift that we were given. John 20 verse 31 says, but these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Not just believe in Jesus, but believe in who he is. That he is the Christ, that he is the redeemer, the son of God. And that by believing you may have life. This word Christ means anointed. Is what the is what the the priests would do when they would anoint a king or anoint a prophet and they would take the oil and they would apply it. Christ means the anointed one, the the appointed one. And that he was coming and, and a Messiah would be the one who would fill that role. And so as we look at this, as we look at this, we want to pay attention to Matthew chapter 11. It says, come to me. These are Jesus' words. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus has a yoke. He has a yoke. That means that you have, we have to come in and be submitted to him and, and be able to go in his direction and go at his speed. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was speaking to Jewish people and they understood what this meant. Why this is a reference to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Here in Isaiah 10, There was a king who was oppressing the nation of Israel and he prophesied about someone coming to change the course of the nation. And here it says that he shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke, it'll be broken off of your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. What is going to make the difference between the the yoke that weighs us down, the burden that we carry? It's the anointing. It's letting Jesus be 
Christ in our life, letting him be Lord, that is what makes the difference. And so in 1 John 3, 8, we remember once again what John wrote to us, that the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came so that the oppression that the enemy wants to put on us, the lies he wants to seed into our minds, the yoke of the idea that you will never be good enough for God, you'll never be able to perform, to break that off of your neck, the weight that you've been too bad to be able to connect with a holy God is broken. The, I, the truth that you've been favored and that God is for you and that this is a day that God wants you to lean into him because he's already come to you. That is what this moment is about. Our bottom line is that when God gave us Jesus, he gave us everything. He gave us everything. Everything our heart had been crying out for. Everything that we see is wrong with this world. Jesus is the answer to that in that space. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.